sounded. Walks into all styles. Kyle drives in. Unbelievable hit. Oh, Mountain has clung. Brody Grundy just put it through. You beauty. Do you like the sound of that? Australian football has a brand new home on Sirius XM. Aussie Football Rules America with Eddie Maguire. Shuey's got it in extra time. Drive it back to the top of the square. Norton will fly. Kick the goal and Fremantle win it after the siren. With unparalleled access to the AFL's greatest champions and most famous fans. Needs to score. He has kicked the goal. Lightning strikes twice. What's he doing? Security's going to get out of the way. Get out of the way, pal. Coming to you from the home of Australian rules football in Melbourne, Australia. He's the most connected man in Aussie rules. Broadcaster, media icon, club president. Here's Eddie Maguire. Thank you, Rosemary Walton. Yes, Aussie Football Rules America. I'm Eddie Maguire. This is Brian Taylor on Sirius XM Dan Patrick Radio Channel 211. Good morning, Brian. The man who kicked 100 goals for Collingwood back in 1987. And these days, the voice of Triple M football on the radio and, of course, the face and voice of Channel 7's coverage of AFL football. How are you, Brian? Very well, thanks, Ed. Uh, We've almost completed round 11 of football. Some really good results over the weekend. I saw a couple of good games. I know you saw a cracker. The, the, The two top teams in the competition, Port Adelaide and Richmond, going at it. It was wonderful viewing and listening. And um, I think football arrived back on the weekend. Ed, we got our game back a little bit. Fast, attacking and free-flowing footy in a lot of the games. Yeah, I think a lot of the clubs are starting to uh, work out the hub, so they should by now. But uh, sort of getting their training right, uh, rotating players through, not being frightened to do so, and getting out and having a real go. So uh, let's go through some of the results from the weekend's footy. And uh, as you said, Brian, it was a really good weekend. So round... Uh, 11 of football, we saw Port Adelaide and Richmond. That's the game we're going to broadcast straight after our show today. So we'll keep you in suspense on that one. Uh, Brisbane Lions defeated the Western Bulldogs. Great result for the Brisbane Lions by 24 points. Carlton were a bit stiff. They were beaten by 22 points in Perth against the West Coast Eagles. But I think they're a bit unlucky with some of the umpiring decisions. Yeah, Yeah, they played pretty well, Carlton. Showed a bit there. Melbourne absolutely flogged North Melbourne, 92 to 35 by 57 points. Geelong just flexing their muscles. Uh, That was on Monday night. Defeated St Kilda in a bit of a heavyweight title fight by 10 goals, 59 points, 93 to 34. They dominated proceedings, Geelong, and really showed that they might be one of the teams to beat. And the Dockers got up 48 to 32 against the Hawthorne Football Club. So there's the results. Let's have a listen to how it all played out on Aussie Footy Rules America with Eddie Maguire and Brian Taylor on Sirius XM Dan Patrick Radio Channel 211. Mad Jack Dawe comes out of the footy. Little Jack Marnie steps around his opponents. Shot at goal. There's a good way to start. It took 14 seconds. Isaac has one bounce. We have two. Rankin kicks right from the seat. Got one. Jones handball back from Brayshaw. Set sail from 50. He got good connection. And the goal umpire does not move. Back in the pack was Myers. Goes under the left from 30. He's got another one. Dacos got in front of Mills. Kept it in play too. Look at this. Light bit of magic from the forward pocket. Goes for the banana. That is a ripper. That is a ripper. Dacos might have sealed the deal. A little bit of magic from the son of a legend. Inside 50. You can't do that. Dusty fights for it. Now he gets beaten for the ball. Back in after it. Revolt. Revolt lost it in the tackle. Umpire letting it go. Martin comes out of it. What a goal. Dusty Martin. Unbelievable. Back to Petrarca. Just flicks the switch. Then from 55. He loads up. He goes 
it's home! In the middle of this one. Pick it up high! That's a great grab! Big fly across the back. The Eagles defenders spill it. Eddie Betts goes off the ground once. He goes off the ground a second time. Scramble in the square! But Laddams out the back. Right foot snap. He's kicked it! Laddams incredible! There's the siren. So the Demons bounce back. The Empires get the four points. The Giants sneak Pretty home. professional performance by the Cats tonight. It's an amazing win for the Port Adelaide, they stay top of the AFL Premiership. Right? What an impressive outfit is the Richmond Footy Club. Melbourne, they run out comfortable 57 points. Good, hardcore victory for the West Coast Eagles. It's a healthy win to the Brisbane Lions. Brian, it's been a, a really great weekend of football. Let's go back, though, to uh, some interesting things, Brian. Now, we've spoken about this in the past. One of the great new traditions in football is clubs filming young players telling their parents yeah. that they're about to make their debut. Now, how did you go back in the old days when you were playing? Did you let anyone know? Uh, no, I think I rung my mum up who was in Western Australia. So we were separ- separated by three and a half thousand kilometres. So no one really knew except her. Right. Well, what they're doing these days, the young players coming through. Of course, it's a wonderful moment to ring your parents and say, I've been selected to play in the AFL. Now, uh, R2 at Collingwood. Bersamina Loga is a champion young player for the Collingwood football team. Here's how he told his mum about his first game. Oh, my boy. Hello. Uh, Hello. I- yeah, How are you, I'm good. I'm good. Just good. Uh, got some news. Yes. Um, I'll be playing my first game this week. What? Yeah. When? Uh, uh, there, on Friday. Oh my God! Yeah. So, yeah. Oh God! <clears throat> I'm so proud of you, my boy. Oh, thank you. Just wonderful. Uh, young Fijian yeah. family and uh, their boy getting picked to play for the Collingwood Football Club. Now, fast forward. That was a couple of weeks ago. Fast forward to the game just played against the Sydney Swans by the Collingwood Football Club with the Pies who couldn't kick a goal early on. I think were were 1-11 at one stage. Finally got on the board and got up to win by nine points in a vital win for the Pies. But going into the game, another West Australian, young bloke like yourself, uh, Barge, coming in by the name of Trey Rusco. On this occasion, now, Trey's mum is a f- old-fashioned Aussie West Australian knockabout Sheila, isn't she? Let's be <laughs> honest about it. Her name is Fiona, and here is Trey Rusco telling his mum, Fiona, that he's been picked to play for Collingwood. Oh, I see. What? You started to ring, did you? Yeah, I rung, yeah. How you going? Good, mate, but uh, how about a phone call every now and then? <laughs> I, gave you one, I gave you one the other day. Hey? I gave you one the other day. What? You did not. I just wanted to know how you went over there. Yeah, no, it's going pretty well. Um, I just got something to tell you. What, love? What have you done? What do you want? Something like that. Uh, I'm playing my first game tomorrow. What? I'm playing my first game tomorrow, debut. Oh, f- off. Are you joking? <laughs> yeah, oh no, I am. God. Oh, my God, Trey, that is unbelievable. Yeah, I know, it's good. Oh, are you stirring me up? No, I'm not, I'm serious. Look, I got my wire. Boys, <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, hello. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, thanks for the heads up. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's good. Did the whole good. team fall over or something, did they? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. No, I'm so proud of you, Joe. I can't believe so quick. Yeah, it's good. No, it's really good news. <laughs> oh, good on you. 
on you, darling. I'm really happy for you. Thank you. Thanks, Mum. Make sure you go out there and do the colours proud. Yeah, I will. Don't worry. All right? Don't be a big wuss. Yeah, I won't. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy for you, darling. That's fantastic news. Yeah, thanks, Mum. Fantastic, honey. Thanks. Fantastic. Yeah, it's good. Oh, the only time. Oh, well, at least you yeah. rang for something, I suppose. I was waiting for your phone call to get something off me. Anyway, that's fantastic. I'm so proud of you, darling. Okay, honey, I'm so proud of you. Thanks, Mum. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. That's uh, Fiona talking that's to hilarious. Trey Rusco uh, before his first game. She gave him a nice spray there. What, the whole team yeah. fall over for you to get a game? Yeah. And then make sure you play well, you big wuss. Don't play like a wuss. <laughs> well, the good news is Trey Rusco with his second kick in football did this. Ray Rusco, 45 out, 45 degree angle. Nice approach, good style, right oh. foot, bang. Kicks the goal, very happy about it. And they're all getting to him. So you can imagine, uh, Brian, uh, the whole family, all the friends and family in Western Australia watching Trey's first goal. Only thing is, Fiona missed it. Yeah. I did, actually Did didn't see the actual goal because I was out the back and everyone started screaming when he marked it. So I'd come running in just to cut the ball going through the goal post. But I didn't actually see what happened before that. So And I haven't had a chance to go back and do a replay. So anyway, I saw the end of it. So it looks good. And um, it was really good. I'm just so happy that they won. If he'd listened to his mum and gone out and practice his kicking in the day instead of going to the beach with Brody. Mm, he may have kicked four goals. <laughs> well, she was still into him, which is good. Saves me yeah. making the phone call, Brian. But uh, she was yeah, at yeah. the back. Uh, she was actually out having a cigarette. She was having a dart. Well, yeah. a bit of a nervous cigarette while Trey was lining up for goal and kicking his first goal. I, but I do remember one phone call with my mum, who, as I say, was in Western Australia. Richmond were in the grand final ed in 1982. And um, I knew on the Monday that I wasn't going to play in that grand final, but I wasn't allowed to tell a soul. Now, my mum and dad were coming to Melbourne, so they were about to jump on a plane, come to Melbourne, four hours over, buy accommodation, stay for the few days leading up to the grand final that I was going to be playing. I was not allowed to ring them and tell them not to bother coming. Until Thursday night on selection night, when they were already in Melbourne, I was then able to say to them, look, I just want you to know I'm not actually playing on the weekend, so that didn't go down too well. Now, Brian, just on that one, quite amazingly, you ran out onto the ground yes. in the 1982 grand final. The whole idea was to was subterfuge to try and throw Carlton off thinking that you were playing. So you ran out in front of 110,000 people, did a couple of laps around the ground and then snuck off the ground without anybody seeing you just to try and uh, have a ruse. That must have been so hard for you and for your parents who came all the way over. When you look back on some of these things, they're quite ridiculous, weren't they? You know what I was thinking, Ed? I was thinking I was young. I was playing at a great club in the Richmond Football Club who'd come off the 70s playing in four or five grand finals. Uh, And I thought, no, there'll be plenty more of this. There'll be plenty more opportunity for me. Well, guess what? After 1982, there wasn't another one until 2018. Yeah, unbelievable stuff. Brian, thanks very much for that uh, reminiscing. We're going to take a break. When we come back, how about this for a lineup? We are getting one of the biggest names in football, Charlie Dixon from the Port Adelaide Football Club, the all-conquering Port Adelaide Football Club, to join us here on Sirius XM. But not only that, coming up next, the gladiator himself, the owner of the South Sydney Rabbitohs in the NRL, our special guest this week, Russell Crowe, 
joining us right here. Make sure you get on the line and send us some emails as well. We want to hear from you as much as we possibly can. And you can get us on eddie.maguire, that's E-D-D-I-E dot M-C-G-U-I-R-E at SiriusXM.com. But coming up next, Russell Crowe right here on Aussie Footy Rules America with Eddie Maguire and Brian Taylor, SiriusXM, Dan Patrick Radio Channel 211. Basketball has become a global game. From legends such as Hakeem Olajuwon and Dirk Nowitzki to today's superstars like Giannis and Luka Doncic. Giannis to the rim, slam it with the left hand. There's no shortage of international talent in the NBA. World of Basketball with Fran Fraschilla is a podcast dedicated to profiling the players, coaches, and executives who have led the way in growing the sport in their countries. New episodes are available Thursday on the SiriusXM app and Pandora Podcasts. He's just an Aussie bloke having a yarn with the biggest celebrities Australia has to offer about the biggest sport down under. This is Aussie Football Rules America with Eddie Maguire. This is Eddie Maguire with Brian Taylor on Sirius XM, Dan Patrick Radio, Channel 211. And on the line now, we have one of the biggest stars ever to come out of Australia. Even though he was born in New Zealand, we're claiming him because he's a superstar. He is the winner of the Best Actor Oscar for Gladiator. A star of a beautiful mind, American gangster, Cinderella man, Les Mis. He can do it all. He is an absolute superstar of the screen. In fact, I actually regard this man as the best actor in the world. He's also the co-owner of Aussie Rugby League team, the South Sydney Rabbitohs, and one of the best actors, as I said, of his generation, if not of all time. Russell Crowe joins us on the line now. G'day, Russ. Welcome to the show, mate. Good morning, Ed. How you doing? Everybody trying to stay safe? Yeah, oh, yeah it's a... Well, it's, a, it's an interesting situation, Russ, because, look, uh, yesterday, hopefully a glimmer of hope uh, that we're flattening the curve again. And we, we are looking, uh, not with any schadenfreude, uh, to New South Wales, but uh, really worried that the same thing could take off again. So it's, uh, you know, we're all, we're going through it here. We're living it and we don't wish it on anybody. Yeah, well, the thing is, what I know about the state of Victoria is there's a mental toughness about Victorians and an ability to pull together, so you're going to get it sorted out really simply, but it's that thing of everybody, like, just got to know it's like one team, it's the state of Victoria, and you're going to nail it, you know what I mean? Now, Russell, how about life in isolation for you? Everybody around the world has been affected by lockdowns. How have you spent and found the free time? It's actually been extremely productive for me, man. You know, I don't really ever get to sit in one place for this amount of time, so... You know, I do understand that a lot of other people have been doing it really hard, but I created a place for myself, you know, uh, 24 years ago that I could go to isolate. So I'm actually, you know, I've been self-isolating on and off for the last three decades. I've got a very people-intensive job and between jobs, I like to spend, you know, time alone. So I've actually, you know, I'm totally connected to the world. I'm, you know, doing this chat with you now. I've, you know, I'll be on with people in other countries through the course of the day. I've been doing a virtual press tour for the last seven weeks with this this movie, Unhinged, which come, comes out in Australia today. Um, so, look, I, I actually feel um, that it's a, a privilege to sit for a while and, you know, take a, a philosophical look at the way I've been living my life and actually try and clean it up a little bit and maybe make it a little bit more efficient and spend more time with my kids and just be more available in Australia, actually. 
Russell, um, you're an international star. We all know that. We we see you uh, mainly on the television. We see it at the at the at the rugby league, of course, with the the Rabbitohs in play. But it's you you actually personify a bit of what's gone on in Australia in recent times, and that is you actually had to get out onto your farm where you are at the moment, this place that you love so much up in New South Wales, and uh, help save it. Uh, you got hit pretty bad uh, badly with the the bushfires last uh, November. We got absolutely smashed. So yeah, about, about 600 it. acres of the place that I have. And I know, you know, I'm very privileged to have a big block of land, but that's about a little less than, than half. But it, it not just burnt, man. It was absolutely torched, you know. And the fire came right up to the house on, on three sides. Um, but over a period of time, you know, I've lived here 24 years, and you watch the seasons, you know. And there was a time when... Um, all of the creeks always had water in them, but that's changed, you know, and now that they're all seasonal creeks. So it has been a, an inexorable move towards the point we got to last year where it was just all ready to go, you know. Um, but over that time, I, I've done things like put a ring of uh, sprinklers around the um, the perimeter of, of where the buildings are and sprinklers on top of the buildings. So we've done fire... Um, prevention measures as we've gone but that still doesn't give you protection when something's raging at you with a 70 foot to 100 foot tall flames you know um you're very lucky we've got a great rural fire service as you know so many areas in australia do and uh they saw the where my place was and they saw the direction the fire was coming and they actually set up here for a while because we have resources like water and, and you know, uh, power from a generator and things like that, you know. Um, so that was good, but it came down to it, and there was, uh, you know, when the fire really hit, there was only one bloke here, Jeez. you know. Um, but, uh, you know, we got very lucky. You know, at the end of the day, we lost a bunch of cabins and, and equipment and, and things like that, but, you know, not the actual houses that, that people live in and sleep in, so... You know, the bush around us is all recovered. We've uh, we've only just finished, actually, the clean-up of the area around the house. We've had, built new roads and everything um, so we can actually get deeper in and maybe stop a fire further away if uh, it happens again. So. And fam- famously, luckily, uh, Russell, you're able to find a golden globe in one of the CFA trucks as well. Which was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, well, like, I was up here, man, in January. They, they sort of wanted me to fly into Los Angeles, but... I, you know, like a lot of uh, separated dads, you know, I get specific times with my kids. And, and one of my times is I get them straight after Christmas and I have them till the end of January, you know. And to me, that's sacrosanct. I'm going to be with them and that's their time. And generally, they choose to spend the time in the bush. So that's what we do, you know. And I put it to them. It's like, look, they want me to fly in for this award ceremony. And my young one, he was totally into it. He was like, yeah, Dad, cool. We're going wherever you're going. Let's go. You know, and my older one was like, well, it's not my preference. Okay. <laughs> so like, right, what's your preference? He's like, well, I want to be on the farm. Like, we're always on the farm. I said, okay. So I had to ring the Hollywood Farm Press Association up and, and the studio that made the loudest voice and say, um, well, I'm not going to be there, you know. And there was a bit of to-do and all that sort of stuff about it, but I just had to say, look, I'm sorry. You know, this time belongs to my kids. And um, I said, look, I'll... I'll you know, I'll write something. If something happens, you've got something to, you know, that somebody can read out or whatever. And uh, just so happened, I did win. But I was standing on the balcony of uh, the building that I live in, just looking down the valley, having a cup of coffee. And my eldest son had this very strange look on his face. And he came and tapped me on the shoulder. He said, can you come with me? 
uh, yeah. So I followed him, and I go into this bedroom, and there's him and his brother and one of their cousins, and they've got the TV on, and they're watching the Golden Globes. And I walk in the door, and my eldest son says, you just won. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to share that moment, that moment that you would always be so far away, and, you know, uh, you've heard it how many, ever many times you've got parents up on that stage talking to their kids who are sitting at home, right? And they never get to actually share that immediate moment. But I got to share that moment with my boys directly. Nice. So it couldn't have been better, you know? And then they got Jennifer Aniston to read out a piece about the bushfires. And then that inspired people in the audience, you know, other people presenting like Cape Town Shared and everything to also bring it up. Uh, so that set off, you can sort of see in the way money started to flow in after that to our different various fire services and, and, and government agencies. And it was just, it was, uh, you know, a wonderful sort of little thing. I got to have, you know, an intimate moment with my boys. And as my elder son said, you know, the way he puts it, he goes, uh, that's the first major award you've won since I was born. <laughs> I said, what about all these other awards I've won? And he's like, no, no, they're not major. <laughs> now, he's a statistician, the young man. Now, you're an Academy Award winner, but you still have to negotiate with your kids, don't you, Russ? We're chatting to people every day in our breakfast show in Melbourne, in Australia, about the challenges of parenting during this time. It's great to hear how such a positive has come out of such a tough situation. Yeah, well, you know, I didn't get to spend all of this time with my boys. Um, you know, I've got aging parents and they live up in the bush. So my kids live a lot of the time in, in Sydney. So I had to sort of make a, uh, a choice. And, I, and I, I went with my parents because they were already uncomfortable with all the changes that were happening and isolation stuff. And they didn't quite understand it fully. You know, I mean, they, you know, they're in perfect health and... They're great, but they have all the early onset things that people at their age have, you know. So I talked to my boys about it, and and they understood, you know, that life would be, you know, of a certain way on the farm, and there'd be a lot of freedom and stuff. But at the end of the day, they said, Dad, you know, we're going to stay in Sydney because um, you can get Uber Eats. (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense. We're chatting with Academy Award winner Russell Crowe, Russ, do you mind sticking around? Because next I want to ask you about explaining AFL to your mates in America. That's coming up next with Brian Taylor and myself, Eddie McGuire, Aussie Footy Rules America on Sirius XM, Dan Patrick Radio, Channel 211. Hey everyone, this is Lisa Ann and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, The Lisa Ann Experience. This is my chance to share with you my experiences past and present, including how I went from living in the fantasy world of adult films to talking fantasy sports on Sirius XM. Each week I'll introduce you to some of the people I've met on my journey and invite friends on to help me read through the endless ridiculousness that lands in my inbox. New episodes are available every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app and Apple Podcasts. Coming to you from our studios in Melbourne, Australia, the most connected man in Australian rules football, here's Eddie Maguire. Thanks very much, Rosemary. Joined with Brian Taylor, we are chatting with Aussie superstar Russell Crowe ahead of the release of his new movie, Unhinged. Already people are talking about a possible new Oscar being on the mantelpiece for Russell Crowe. It is the number one movie in the world at the moment. It's being released around the United States on August 21. You did mention a little bit earlier that Unhinged is your new movie. It's a psychological thriller 
Uh, and I'll just read from the release here because it, it spells it out pretty well. It says, explores the fragile balance of society pushed to the edge, something we're all living through at the moment, taking something we've all experienced, but on this occasion it's road rage, to an unpredictable and terrifying conclusion. Rosie, could you roll the, uh, the trailer on this? It sets it up beautifully. Russell Crowe in action. Go! You know what a courtesy tap is, young man? Sounds like this. It's light. It's friendly. Sure, that's what your mom meant to do. No, it's not. Mom! Having a kind of a hard time lately. I'm sorry. Accept my apology? Just ignore him. Well, if you could just do the same, we could press reset. I don't have anything to apologize for. Ma'am, are you okay? I'm pretty sure the guy in that truck's following me. He's road raging. What do you want? I need you to learn what a bad day really is. I need you to learn how to say sorry. And you're going to learn through violence and retribution. Whoa. <laughs> Russell Crowe his menacing best. It's an interesting time for you, Russell, uh, launching this. Also, it uh, opens up on August 21 in the United States. Um, in, in these difficult circumstances, I suppose, Victoria... Can, can you see it anywhere else in Australia? Can you get to the cinemas right around the country at the moment other than here? Yeah, right around the country, the cinemas are open. There there are certain, you know, restrictions in place, and you just got to be smart about it. You know, wear a mask, you know, look after yourself and, and others. Um, but, you know, it's been surprising, Ed, the, the releasing company has been very aggressive about putting the, the movie out early because if their research tells them that even with all this crazy stuff going on, People want to go to the cinema. And even with all this crazy stuff going on, they don't want to go and see a comedy. They want to go and something that's, see something that scares the bejesus out of them. Yeah. I mean, you know, talk to me about the, you know, the human condition. It's, it's odd, but, you know, that's what their, their research says. And, you know, it, come out, it came out in Germany, you know, uh, two weeks ago. It's been number one since it came out there. Um, but there was this big, coordinated global release date that now is scattered to the wind. So it's, uh, it, it is an odd time. You know, normally I would dedicate maybe 10 or 12 days, maybe 14 days traveling the world and then maybe another week or something in America doing press, you know. Um, but I've done every bit of press from home, <laughs> which is like magical. It's you know, I haven't had to go to <laughs> an airport or sit in an airport lounge for hours waiting for anything. And but the unfortunate thing is because the release is spread out, I'm now in the eighth week of it, and I've still got three weeks to go. <laughs> so it's become the most efficient thing to the longest junket I've ever been involved in. You know? Now, Russell, you won the Golden Globe for the loudest voice that was released onto the streaming platform. Unhinged now has gone straight into the cinema. Where do you see it? Cinema versus streaming. What what's going on in your mind with those two at the moment? Well, look, you know, as I was saying, the thing about the cinema that's so magical is you get to be in that room, forget about what's going on in your real life for a moment, worry only about the things that are happening in front of you. And the crazy shit takes place on the screen, not actually in your life. And I think that's what, you know, the benefit and the solace of the cinema has always been, you know, that kind of collective experience that we have when we go into the cinema together. The thing about television now, with technology, we've all, you know, not all of us, but, you know, a lot of us have got pretty good gear at home. You know, we've got a nice screen that we've sort of, you know, uh, aimed for and bought and stuff. So the level of television is just rising and rising and the length of time people are being able to take to tell a story. So it's, you know, there's no 
difference in my job. If I'm going to work to do The Loudest Voice, that's a seven-hour movie. You know, you can call it a TV series if you want, but really, in reality, it's exactly the same job. I learn my lines. I try not to bump into the furniture, you know, and we <laughs> grind out day to day and we shoot it, you know. Um, I uh, I really enjoyed the experience on Loudest Voice. It was a painful one. The makeup was hours of every day, so I had to be in a very zen place. But being able to tell the story in that greater depth from an actor's point of view is brilliant, you know. So, uh, you know, I, I think there's always going to be a balance. You know, there's nothing beats that collective energy in a theater when you're watching something that's fantastic. You know, I remember seeing audiences watching Gladiator or Cinderella Man, you know, when you've got opening night packed houses and you've got people on their feet and they're charging into it and they're just loving it. And that, that's an incredible experience that will always be part of our lives. But it's just wonderful that we're getting companies like Netflix and like Amazon, like Showtime like the Blumhouse Company, who are investing vast sums for our entertainment in these bigger stories. Hey, Russ, uh, uh, just, uh, I want to just pivot one last time, and that is to our, our respective great loves. Our, both our teams, calling them the Rabbitohs, are about in the same position on the ladder at the moment, uh, just knocking around the eight. Uh, how are the Rabbitohs going? And how do you go in the States when you try to explain either Australian rules football or, in your case, the Rabbitohs and rugby league to the Americans? How does that go for you? Well, Australian rules is very difficult. <laughs> it's very complicated. However, there, there is a history of Australian rules being on TV in America that goes back a long, long time. It goes back to, if not the late 80s, very definitely the early 90s. Yeah. Um, so there is uh, an audience for it there, but it has to be solidified. You have to bring that audience together and give them a catalyst point you know, for themselves you know, a uh, central point, you know, some kind of broadcast or whatever that they know is going to happen every week. It's a little bit haphazard, and that's the same with Rugby League. Rugby League appears most often in America at the moment on the Fox Soccer Channel, you know. Yeah. So uh, the two things, if you're a Rugby League supporter, you would never think to look for that sport and something with the word soccer in it, you know. Um, so there hasn't been a, con- a concerted push in terms of, platforming rugby league in America, but that, that's still a great possibility. The thing about Americans is they love sport. You know, what you have to, to break through, of course, is, you know, the monopolization um, in the football area of the NFL. And, you know, uh, it should have its audience because it's a great spectacle. It's a wonderful sport. And, you know, it's grown and has history and all of that stuff. So you have to respect the fact that you know, Americans love their football, they love basketball, they love ice hockey, you know, they love baseball, obviously. You know, you have to appeal at the highest level of that, you know, not the lowest. Rugby league tends to be sold to Americans on the basis of look at how brutal and stupid these people are, as opposed to feel the excitement of a play that just suddenly opens up, you know. Yeah. It's a different way of selling it. If you sell it to the smart kids in the room, Eddie, AFL goes great in America. You know, because it is a tactical game. It is a game that requires incredible skill and dexterity. You can see the moves of basketball in it. You can see so many areas of athletic prowess required by the players. So, you know, that would be simply my advice. If you're going to approach America as the sport of AFL, play to the smart kids in the room. Russell, you always play to the smart people around the place. As I said, uh, you've got a heart as big as the great outdoors. 
Uh, you've looked after so many people along the journey and uh, you could just tell them the warmth in your voice when I read out those Emmy nominations, how proud you are of your colleagues, particularly around Australia. Your great friend Nicole Kidman is doing some shooting in New South Wales, starting to kickstart your industry. You're involved in uh, uh, tourism for Australia, mate, uh, and of course what you're doing in the film industry is fantastic. And I recommend to go and see Unhinged when it comes out. It is a ripping movie. As Russell said, it is breaking big time right around the world and one of our very own starring up the front of it. And thanks, mate, for, for spending some time. Russell Crowe on Aussie Footy Rules America. You can see Unhinged when it's released right around the United States on August 21. Next, we chat to one of the superstars of the competition as we build up to a massive game between Port Adelaide and Richmond. You're listening to Eddie Maguire and Brian Taylor and Russell Crowe and Charlie Dixon on Sirius XM, Dan Patrick Radio, Channel 211. Hey everyone, this is Nicole Auerbach and I want to invite you inside the Coaches Clubhouse, a brand new podcast from SiriusXM that examines what drives coaches on and off the sidelines. We talk to coaches from all different sports and all walks of life about their passion for the profession, their mentors, philosophies, and stories, and also what they care about when they're outside the spotlight. We'll give you a unique perspective on some of the greats in their profession, from Olympic coaches to Super Bowl champions and everyone in between. New episodes out every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Australian football's new home is at Sirius XM. Now back to Aussie Football Rules America with Eddie Maguire. Yes, indeed, with Brian Taylor alongside me. And, Brian, what a pleasure it is to introduce to the United States of America a bloke by the name of Charlie Dixon, who uh, I, I called on the weekend, Brian, I said he looked like a chieftain from the old days. He's got the big beard. <laughs> He's such a strong physique. He's an intimidating man. And I just love the way he plays football. Hamble around the corner, Dixon, who kicks a goal. He snaps it. Big Charlie. Big Charlie's there. Oh, Fended one off and tough. turned around and kicked the guy. And gives it to the crowd. Here's Dixon. Oh, Dixon. I reckon he completed it. Oh, that was a crazy mark. Dixon comes out hard. Gives a couple of don't argue. Swings around on the right boot. Charlie Dixon. Superstar. Yep, getting it all done, Charlie Dixon for Port Adelaide Football Club, and he joins us now. Charlie, welcome to you, and thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. You must it's... be delighted with the way that your club is performing at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we've got a bit uh, some consistency, and we're able to sort of get challenged and uh, keep moving forward. So it's, it's, there's a good moment. You talk about that like it's easy, consistency, but that... That is a hard thing to do, and it's taken years to get that together. Is is that because the team has simply been held together and you haven't had a lot of injuries, et cetera? Yeah, well, I think we've been building to this sort of game style for the last couple of years, and yeah, we haven't exactly been able to sort of put it on week in, week out, put it on the park week in, week out. But I just think, um, yeah, we've we've been able to sort of have a strong list and a, and a heap of depth as well, and um, to be able to have players come in when they need to and perform the way the team needs them to. Charlie Dixon is the power forward for the Port Adelaide Football Club. He joins us on Aussie Footy Rules America with Eddie Maguire and Brian Taylor on Sirius XM, Dan Patrick, Radio Channel 211. Hey, Charlie, uh, you went to the States this year, pre-season, got yourself super fit, and boy, it's paying some dividends. <laughs> yeah, no, I... Uh... I started off in London, went and saw my sister for a couple of weeks and then spent about two and a half weeks in um, in LA uh, with Travis Boak and did a bit of a training camp with him and what he goes through and, and he's done for the last two years. And uh, yeah, it put me in really good stead uh, to get into the... Um, 
season. Where'd you go to, mate? Tell us about it. Well, we went to Santa Cruz um, and we did just some different training, really. I mean, it was a, not, a, not a whole lot of stuff that was really hard. It was just sort of body movements and, and stuff like that. And we trained sort of, you know, I was only there for five or six days. Trav was there for about sort of nearly two weeks, I think. But, yeah, it was just sort of like a lot of body movements and um, sort of finding out a few different things about the body that, um, you know, a different set of eyes, I suppose. You know, we've we've been sort of looking at, um, well, I've had, you know, AFL physios and stuff for the last 10 years of my career. So it was, it was good to have another perspective and, and see the way they sort of look at different things. He sort of trained um, uh, volleyballers, um, uh, linebackers for, um, you know, a- NFL and stuff like that. So that was, um, that was really cool to um, be able to do some stuff like that. That's great, Charlie. And what was he able to point out that you haven't seen before? Because it's interesting you mentioned volleyballers. I've I've always felt that they have a similar physique to our key our key forwards and key defenders, and also have the same action going for the ball, if you like, as well. What was he able to pick out and, and help you with, and how did it manifest itself in in your season this year? Um, it was sort of more about my running technique because uh, I broke my leg and and sort of like it it faced sort of backwards. Um, I sort of carry my leg around. Um, it's sort of, I don't quite land on it um, straight. So he sort of picked out sort of certain things like that. And um, for me to just try and overcorrect that a little bit and it'll sort of like uh, start to come back. And he sort of picked that up as soon as you saw me start running and and um, to be able to do, um, yeah, so body movements and, and the way you sort of pick up weights and all that sort of stuff as well. And it was more about my running technique and, and sort of getting that, um, straight my leg straight again after it was sort of crooked and um i suppose uh my change of direction and stuff as well so and to be able to be strong in uh and to help my ankles out because everyone knows i've had problems with my ankles yeah so that brings you into back into the season here in great form and you and travis both it's no coincidence that you're both playing really well you've lost only two games for the year now you only played i think about eight or nine games in 2019 because of the injury in 2018 Yep. Stringing those games, do you feel now in the position that you're in with Port Adelaide right up the top of the ladder, you're playing well, the team's playing well, that this is the best footy that you have played as an individual? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, like, it's um, like I've just had been able to get the continuity into my game and and um, I probably have more confidence in my body than anything. Last year was sort of a bit touch and go. with with I didn't have the work behind me where I know I've sort of worked work my ass off to get myself in, in the best condition as I can to perform like week in, week out. And, and yeah, I'd say I'm, I'm probably in, uh, you know, I am getting older. I'm nearly 30 uh, next month. And I feel like I'm, you know, I'm still growing as a player and I've still got plenty left. And I feel like I've, my best footy is still in front of me. Very good. Now, you do a few different things. Footballers do some strange things on the side. You have a bit of a hobby. Now, I just want you to have a listen to this. It's a show called Driving with Dixon, which is what you do on YouTube. Have a listen to this. And the Monaro's booked in on the 11th for a roll cage. So half welded, half bolting. So I've got a heat going on at the moment. I said I wasn't going to spend a lot of money, but I need to get these things finished and I want to show you guys what I've been up to and and getting all that sorted. So, and having the Monaro done properly the way I wanted it to to be done. And um, yeah, basically getting it ready for summer because 
there's a bit of racing going on. So that's driving with Dixon on YouTube. You're doing up a 67 F100 in a Monaro. Um, yep. I want to know, Charlie, do you just sort of allocate the workout to some other tradie or do you do it yourself? There's a bit of both of that happening. So I, I try to do as much as I can. Um, and I, but I've got a lot, of, a lot of mates in the car industry that, uh, like Paul Pablo Motors, who built the Monaro, will help me build the Monaro. And, yeah, so I'll do as much as I can. And then I'll get to a point where I'm like, I've either wrecked something or I just can't go any further. And then I'll ring my mates <laughs> and then I drop it around to them. <laughs> so so what, I do as where, much as I can. Where did the love for 60s and 70s muscle cars come from? Oh, probably my dad. You know, he grew up with a lot of cars and building a lot of cars himself. He's got a 1977 panel, panel XC panel van um, oh. that he, uh, yeah, used to tell me stories about how many times he crashed it and whatnot. And, um, <laughs> yeah, crashing it and then having to go back and see my mum's dad and tell them that he just crashed the car down the road and can you get us, give us a tow and stuff like that. So, all those sort of stories were, um, were that sort of got me into it, and I wanted to know what these cars were, and and yeah, so and I've had a number of cars over there. I've I had about seven just like at the start of the year, so and I've just slowly sort of got back to three. So, Charlie, I've got to ask you the obvious question, mate. You you weren't conceived in a panel van, were you? At, uh, back in the seventies. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that was long gone before I was conceived. So. <laughs> hey, have you got what you work? What's your workshop like, Charlie? Is it your own workshop and is it full of tools hanging on the walls and all sorts of things? How does it look? Has it got a squeaky clean surgical white floor or is it a mess? Uh, well, it was a bit of a mess the other day, but um, I sort of, uh, on Sunday after the game, I went in there and cleaned it up and um, it's, uh, it's only got the one car in there at the moment. So um, I do have a lot of tools hanging around, but I've got a lot of crap in there as well from my house as well. So there's, um, it's, you know, it's not bad. It's a sort of, it's a small shed, but I had, like I said, I had seven cars in there at one stage. So there's, en- there's enough room for me to get a lot done. And um, one of the, the big scooters is going to put his boat in there soon. So it'll, um, it'll, yeah, the boys are sort of jumping on and uh, I'm going to help them out as well. But I get my F truck back today as well. So that's good. I can go and do some more work on that. Good stuff, Charlie. Hey, now, if you had uh, all the money in the world, what would be the car that you'd love to restore? Oh, uh, Oh, that's a hard one. I mean, if I had all the money in the world, I'd probably just go out and buy something that I didn't have to touch. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it'd probably be a uh, Porsche GT3 RS, easy, and then I can just get in and drive it and not worry about it breaking. <laughs> well, mate, I'll tell you what you don't have to worry about at the moment is just you're standing in the game. You're playing fantastic football. Um, you're imperious the way you're going about it. Uh, in fact, I, I, in the call of the game uh, that we'll hear, coming up shortly at one stage I, I described you you came through at center half forward last week and you've right reminded me uh, brian you'll remember this one of phil carmen at his best and yeah. i said that because you came through the air and you flicked your hands as you took the mark almost from from pointing your fingers down to up in the air and taking it like phil carmen used to now have you got any idea who fabulous phil carmen was when i called you uh, that player charlie during the course of the game yeah, no, not at all, mate. <laughs> I'm not a big uh, footy head, so yeah, I had no idea. I actually watched it back on Sunday, and yeah, I, I had no idea who that was. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have you looked him up so far? No, I haven't. No, right. I well, let me do, give you let me to. give you a, a quick uh, player profile because I used to wear his number <laughs> on my back when I was a kid. He wore the number nine, and of course, Brian Taylor became number nine at Collingwood. Yes. But fabulous Phil Carmen came from South Australia. He was born in Victoria. 
and he was the most flamboyant footballer. Came to Collingwood in 1975, won the Copeland Trophy, missed eight games and was beaten by just three votes in the Brownlow medal that year. He ended up getting rubbed out for 20 weeks after he left uh, Collingwood going to Essendon for headbutting a boundary umpire and whacking Gary Sidebottom in the mush all in the same action. Uh, he was one of the most controversial players of all time, but he was, in 1975, one of the most gifted players, a, a natural athlete. He actually still holds the record for running around the tan track in Melbourne for a footballer, and he was about six foot three. He's 70 uh, years of age these days and looks like he's about 35. And he was known as Fabulous Phil Carmen, the first player to wear white boots in the AFL. And when he did, he kicked 11 goals against St Kilda in a magnificent performance coming back from a broken foot, which he broke playing for Victoria and missed those eight weeks. So if you think that I was giving you a rap, Charlie, Charlie, now you know, mate, I was pumping you up to the highest to the highest accolades I could possibly give somebody. Oh, absolutely. It sounds like some sort of a player, even though he sort of had butted a boundary umpire and Oh, that's, yeah. a, that's unreal. <laughs> yeah, he, he, uh, and also he, he ran through Michael Tuck and hit him with an elbow in the preliminary final in 77 and was rubbed out for two weeks and missed the grand final and the grand final oh. replay from the draw. And uh, to this day, we all still believe that him being rubbed out cost Colling with the premiership in 1977. So don't hit anyone in the finals, Charlie. Keep your elbows in, mate. <laughs> right. I'll try, try my best. Hey, uh, quickly, uh, the beard is sensational. Uh, how are you, how are you yeah. going with the beard? How are you, how are you uh, controlling it? Because you've just got it at the perfect length at the moment. It's intimidating, and it's uh, it, it's got that bush ranger look about it. But at the same time, you've kept it nice and trim, and, and the, the girls are loving it, mate. I, I, can, I have to tell you, the women over here in Melbourne just think you are the absolute he-man of the competition at the moment. <laughs> oh, well, that's good to know, mate. But uh, I actually got it trimmed uh, yesterday. So from uh, Robbie Gray's barbershop, he, um, the fellow barber gave me a nice little sharpen up. So it's, um, yeah, no, it's going, beard's going all right. <laughs> well, Charlie, I must say, mate, uh, you can tell by our enthusiasm over here and from the call on the weekend and what we're going to play in America uh, who would have thought you would have done your pre-season training and to be hearing you in America right across Sirius XM? Mate, uh, your style of play has been a revelation this year. We love the way you're playing and we're just enjoying you, seeing you at the peak of your powers and we wish you all the very best for the rest of the season. Oh, awesome. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Good on you, mate. And coming up next, Brian, we're going to have that game. It's Port Adelaide versus Richmond. Rosemary, let's hear the Port Adelaide fight song. Right, so that's a relatively new one, and let's say, uh, Brian, between you and I, we think it's a bit a lame. A little beige. Yeah, yeah. A bit, yeah. A bit lame. Here's, here's the Richmond theme song. Uh, this one's this was uh, 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 written, I think, in the early 60s, and uh, this is regarded as one of the great theme songs in the AFL. Risking head and skin. If we're behind, then never mind. We'll fight and fight and win. For we're from Tiger Land. We never weaken, 
until the pilot's siren's gone. Like the tiger of old, we're strong and we're bold, for we're from Tiger. Yellow and black, we're from Tigerland. Uh, uh, the- these songs that we play, Ed, and we, we play them after the team wins and the, and, and the players go into the rooms and they sing them together, it's their one minute of absolute delight before they start concentrating on the next game. Is this done anywhere else in the world, Ed, that you know of in sport? I don't, I don't know. I think, well, some of the soccer teams get in and they chant and they jump up and down and do different things. And we know the fight songs in America have been fantastic. But it is great. Uh, mind you, you do mention uh, it is a, a, a minute of ecstasy after the game when they're singing yeah. a song. Abel, if you would like to get in contact with Brian and myself, please contact me via email, eddiemaguire at SiriusXM.com. That's eddie.maguire at SiriusXM.com. We're going to go into the action now. This is Fox Footy's call of Port Adelaide playing Richmond. Top of the ladder, uh, football at its very best. The calling team is myself, Dwayne Russell, Jason Dunstall and Nick Revolt. We'll catch you next week right here on Aussie Footy Rules America with Eddie McGuire and Brian Taylor. Sirius XM, Dan Patrick Radio Channel 211.